The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, Regina Doherty, the Finnegate Senator, and Mick Barry, the Socialist TD for Cork North Central, uh, both with me. Abortion back in the headlines in Ireland in recent days. We had uh, the pro-life march that took place in Dublin City uh, yesterday. And last week, of course, we had the review into Ireland's abortion laws uh, being published, uh, making a number of recommendations, including an abolition of the three-day waiting period. Uh, Mick, should we liberalise or expand access to abortion services in Ireland? Yes, I think we should. Uh, I would make a general point that access to abortion services in any society is almost invariably uh, a good litmus test of the strength or otherwise of the civil liberties uh, in that uh, society. You'll find that repressive regimes tend to curb, curtail or ban abortion and more democratic societies, particularly where the law has been shaped by popular pressure, uh, have greater access. So we're five years on from a repeal and uh, the state asked uh, the barrister, uh, Marie O'Shea, to do a review uh, of Ireland's abortion regime uh, to identify uh, weaknesses and changes that might be necessary from the point of view of improving a health service uh, for women in our society. Um, Marie O'Shea, one of her main proposals uh, is that three-day wait uh, be abolished. So that means that pregnant person goes to a GP, um, has a consultation, wants, say, an abortion pill, but has to come back three days later after reflection uh, in order to uh, have the uh, prescription. I think that that is a very patronising arrangement. I think it is particularly harsh on um, women in rural areas where only one, one in ten GPs um, provide uh, abortion uh, services. The World Health Organization thinks uh, that it's not a good idea, they are against it. Uh, and I think that uh, the three-day wait should be abolished. Uh, I know that Leo Varadkar has said that he's uncomfortable with doing that five years after the repeal vote, but I would be more concerned about the comfort of women in crisis pregnancies. Uh, the review was based on women's health needs and we should base ourselves on that rather than the comfort or discomfort of this or that politician. Mm. Regina, should we expand access to abortion? I'm not sure. Um, and I, I've, I've now read the review um, by Marie O'Shea and the, some of the things that I do absolutely agree with and it doesn't require any changes of legislation. Um, the Irish people voted in very large numbers to allow uh, in permitted circumstances women to avail of abortion services and there's lots of counties where you still can't and so that needs to be fixed. Um, But at the same time I do really uphold the idea of there being conscientious objections because you know the reason that it took us so long to get to the place where we are today is because people's faiths obviously played an enormous influence in the decisions that they did. Now compassion I think took over a number of years ago which is a good thing. But I'm also um, sure that people should be allowed to object. Um, so therefore, we should have the range of services that are currently legally available in every public healthcare service and there should be an active campaign on the Department of Health or the HSE to go and find doctors that will provide those services in counties where we currently are not and that's a good thing. Um, I think I disagree with Mick on the three-day and I've read the report a number of times since yesterday to try and find the scientific or the medical basis uh, for reviewing the three-day period and I can't find any. So if it's just that it's a concern because people can't access it in a county and we fix that issue, does that mean that that you know, issue goes away? And I would say, probably Mick would say it doesn't. Um, to my mind, 
uh, the numbers of women that accessed abortion from the beginning of January 2019 to the end of December 2021 was 17,820 women. Um, They needed them, they availed of them. Um, But to my mind, there are probably some women because of the three day wait and because of some of the information or the advice that they were given decided to keep their baby. And I think that's necessarily a good thing for them. And I don't think we should take that, you know, reflection time Mm. away from them. I think it's interesting that Marie O'Shea wants us to make that right to reflection uh, kind of voluntary in the law. I don't really know what that means. We all have the right to reflect. You know, I don't need to go to the doctor until I decide to go to the doctor. But I think the right to reflect, um, which is in the law, allows women to, and I don't think it's, you know, disingenuous or, you know, I definitely agree with Mick that if you live in Offaly and you have to travel to Galway, it might be an issue to get back there three days later. But, you know, if we can reduce that 17,820 women by, you know, keeping that Mm. reflection period, I think that maybe we should look at it. But I am open to saying that if there is scientific or medical advice, you know, that hinders women from making the ultimate decision, well, then absolutely, I just didn't see it in the report. Well, I I, I don't think that the the issue of travelling, say, from Offaly to Galway isn't as live since COVID because I think the, the initial consultation now can well, we be done over the phone yeah, they, they did make that change uh, so you can make an initial now you do have to ultimately travel uh, to Galway because of the geographical problem which you both uh, uh, touched mm-hmm. on uh, Mick what, what is the, the, the specific argument about the three day waiting period uh, that, that you would make in favour of abolishing it I think it's patronising and I think um, if you went out and spoke to um women about the issue, the big majority of women uh, would agree uh, that it is patronising as well. I mean, if you go to your GP and uh, you need access to a health service and you need a prescription, uh, in no other circumstance are you asked to come back uh, three days later uh, before you can have that uh, prescription. Women uh, can make their own minds up, uh, pregnant people can make their own minds up after a consultation uh, with a GP. Uh, and I think it's patronising to be asked to come back again. Just Regina raised some interesting points there about uh, conscientious uh, objection. So where you have a situation in a county um, that you have a significant number of GPs uh, voice a conscientious objection to providing abortion services, um, there is an onus on the HSE to say, okay, uh, we, uh, this is a, an important service as part of the Irish Health Service uh, and we will do whatever is necessary uh, to find a sufficient number of GPs uh, in the area uh, to provide the service. You should not have uh, people with crisis pregnancies being forced to travel uh, long distances in that, in that regard. And also, uh, it's one thing when we talk about uh, a conscientious objection from a GP it's a different thing entirely when we talk about a conscientious objection from an institution. And I would question as to whether uh, how many of the eight maternity hospitals uh, that five years on, five years after repeal, are yet to introduce abortion services within their hospital mm. are actually uh, making a conscientious objection. In other words, uh, hospitals where there is uh, religious influence or re- religious uh, control. And there should be no toleration of that. Uh, whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, every maternity hospital in the state should provide the service that the people have agreed on. Yeah, I know we had Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, on the show, and uh, when asked that very issue, he said he hoped by the end of the year uh, that would no longer be the case. Now, we'll have to wait and see whether whether that pans out. Um, Regina, is it patronising? 
Like, as you say, women yeah. will have reflected, surely, yeah, they by the time they make do. the call. And look, come here, anybody that's ever been involved in a crisis pregnancy knows that you don't think about anything else all day, every day, right? But what I'm saying is, is that there's, there's a fine balance here. First of all, you know, there are people who do in this country have religious faith that guides their views, that guides their moral standards. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights allows for religious beliefs and cultural elements, you know, where you're interpreting the rights that have been enshrined in law. All I'm saying is, is that we're talking about ending, you know, a life here. Three days is not an awful lot of time to allow anybody to reflect further than they've already reflected once they go to the doctor. Um, I really don't. I, I struggle. But is the implication not that they haven't reflected? No, well, like, oh, come here. As I've said to you, I know every woman has already reflected. But what I'm saying is, is that if there isn't any medical or scientific reason that it's causing women not to be able to access the services, it's three days. You know, it, when we're talking about the difference between a life or a death, I don't think it's something, you know, that's actually hindering people. When you look at the numbers of the 17,820 women in those two years that accessed abortions, it wasn't that difficult for them to get the access to the healthcare that they are legally entitled to, uh, that was fought and won for, you know, by people in this country five years ago. There's a couple of other things in the review that I can't get my head around. Um, we're proposing, or the, the barrister is proposing, that the current practice of two practitioners where a woman's life is at risk uh, or serious harm to her health, she wants to do away with that so that we don't, you know, confer with another doctor. She just mm. wants them to be able to refer to the notes. I don't understand that and I think I would need far more information to do that. Um, the bit about safe access zones, and I certainly agree that no woman should ever be intimidated going into a hospital or into a doctor or into any organisation that provides advice. But I reflect on the language in in that you know recommendation is that anybody that influences a woman's decision against obtaining uh, an abortion uh, has to suffer an illegal impediment. So I'm sitting down with my cousin, my best friend, talking about you know the pros and the cons, and I suddenly convince them that they shouldn't go ahead. Mm. Then I become you know critical of illegal. I'm sorry, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Um, I really don't. And also, there's a bit in the review that says that anybody that's offering illegal or sorry misinformation to women seeking abortion, it should be illegal. Most women are going to recognised, authorised, and state funded either doctors or institutions. I wonder who she's referring to with regard to the, you know, becoming, providing the misinformation and for it to be an illegal offence. And when I look at the recommendation in the whole, there isn't a single word of caution. There isn't a single element of that. You know, when we actually debated for this, and I was one of the people that did TVs and radio shows to try and help people, you know, come to the decision that we ultimately came Mm. to. One of the things that we consistently spoke about was that abortion is a rare occurrence. 17,820 abortions in the space of two years uh, or three years isn't what I would consider rare. So I think it would have been helpful if the review had looked at how we could actually help those women make different decisions if that's what they wanted. Because the only thing that's left for a woman to reflect and maybe to be absorbed the information that her doctor might give her is currently the three days. So I'm not against making sure that what we have in law is available to every county, to every woman that wants it. But I absolutely Mm. recognise that we are talking about you know, taking and ending a life. And I think there, there, there has to be due consideration and some, you know, thought and reflection about that, not on the part of the woman, but on the part of the state that's upholding that service. Uh, Mick, should we have safe access zones or does the language in the report uh, suggest criminalising anybody who advocates a pro-life position? There should be safe access zones. Uh, we've seen uh, very noisy and pointed uh, demonstrations and protests Uh, outside of GPs' clinics and outside of hospitals where pregnant people uh, trying to access abortion services uh, have had to walk past or through uh, those protests. And that that is 
uh, not something um, uh, that uh, you know it's, it's a very negative thing and I think the idea of a, a safe access zone is a very positive uh, proposal just on some of the issues that have uh, come up there um, the idea of uh, abortion in Irish society as something that is rare I've never argued um, that uh, abortion uh, would be rare abortion is something which one in three women in the course of their lives uh, will have access to uh, it's a right that they should have access to it, uh, in my view, and I don't think that should be uh, used as an argument uh, for uh, restrictions. Uh, on the issue of um, Marie O'Shea's proposals, uh, just to focus in maybe on the question of um, the health uh, of the mother. So abortion is allowed by law uh, after 12 weeks mm -hmm. where the health or the life of the mother uh, is uh, at risk uh, but the number of women who've had abortions on grounds of health has not changed in the last five years and I think uh, the barrister has identified the fact that there is a chilling effect um, the chilling effect relates to the fact that a doctor um, who um, you know prescribes uh, an abortion or performs an abortion uh, after 12 weeks on the grounds of health that unless they can prove uh, that the grounds were you know 100 percent um, there is a potential uh, imprisonment of up to 14 years and she's recommending that uh, abort abortion services being health services should mm. not be criminalized that the 14 years uh, should be scrapped and in that case, the, the doctor should be allowed to use their professional judgment okay. in relation to whether the health of the mother or the life uh, of the mother is at risk. And that seems to me to be a very okay. uh, reasonable and positive proposal. We're, we're just out of time, but I started with Mick. So, Regina, final word? Well, just, I mean, I welcome the review. We had it in the legislation that we come back after three years and we'll talk about, you know, what needs to be tweaked. And we can see obvious things to expand and extend the services to counties that don't have it should be definitely a runner. I think we need to be really cautious about the other issues, the influencing women's decisions to make it illegal, you know, to the misinformation uh, being an illegal crime. I don't know who's given misinformation. Um, I, I might agree with Mick on the fact that the, the definition of risk and serious harm might need to be addressed and maybe looked at. But again, it's the doctors that actually make these definitions for us and nobody wants to do any harm and obviously the Hippocratic Oath tells you immediately that you don't unless you're not going to be able to save the woman's life so maybe we need to do reflect on some of the conditions but I, I certainly wouldn't and I don't mind being insulted by anybody about this I wouldn't like to see you know us fast tracking this I'd like, we need to be considered about it you know constantly reflecting that what we're talking about here is the difference between life and death Regina Doherty Finnegan Senator Mick Barry Socialist TD for Cork North Central as always thank you both uh, very much for joining me the Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.